how much does summer league really matter? Plus, what's the fans' reaction to Malcolm Brogdon, Danilo Gallinari being in town? And let's go through some wild lineups, something that we're looking forward to next season. I'm going to do it all with my good friend Chuck McKenney right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics, pod, home of the winners. B. Welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. I'm here for you Monday through Friday with a fresh, free podcast for you wherever you get your podcast, whatever device, whatever app you want to use. It is there. It's available. It doesn't cost you a damn thing. You can also watch the show on YouTube if you are so inclined. It's a fun thing to watch. Put it in the background while you're doing your uh you're cleaning or you're barbecuing or whatever. It's the summer. Maybe you want to, however you want to do it, put it on at work. I won't tell anybody. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've written a book called the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. And I was one of the media voters for the Celtics 75th anniversary team. And today, completely structureless, completely no, no format, no nothing, because this is a, a voice of the fan sort of podcast. and. I couldn't do this without my good friend and former RedsArmy.com partner, Chuck McKenney. Uh, Chuck, I have been looking to get a fan of the podcast on for a while. And so you, as a big, big fan of John Corrales in the podcast, uh, <laughs> I've chosen you. I can get you an autographed, uh, you know, shirt or something if you, if you want, if you give me your address. You know, I love you, man, like a brother. But I'm I'm just coming around to – I think podcasts are, are around to stay, so I'm finally realizing that, so I'm starting to listen to more. I've been a very slow adopter to podcasts, even though you and I were one of, like, the pioneers. We I did them say. before they were called podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, it really was you, and you just dragged me along. But we had you know, internet radio shows, and we like to, you know, crow about that. But So I'm slowly starting to um, – you know, accept podcasts and 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 listen a little more. More also driven by my disdain for Boston sports radio, which I can't you know yeah. completely stop listening to because I think I rage listen. You know, you just <laughs> rage, like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. On and see, but I have listened a bit, and it's you know it's been a pretty exciting off season for the Celtics. So I'm um, trying to consume, or at least I was at the initial start of free agency as much. Uh, media about the Celtics as possible. So I love to be around. Now, I expected you to say you got seven minutes to talk about Brogdon. You got three minutes to talk about Gallinari. <laughs> but now I can exhale. This is just yeah, no, about is, whatever we want. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's like I said, it's free form. Um, I kind I, I, I do want to get, like, I, I busted your balls a little bit because, you know, hey, you're a fan of the show. But you have, like, retired from the blogging side. Uh, for people who don't know, Chuck and I founded RedsArmy.com back in like 2006. So, I mean, technically I've been covering this team for 16 years now, which yeah. is mind-blowing. But um, 
we started out Red's Army, which which grew in in popularity and, and became really, really popular and, and launched my career. Um, Chuck chose the fatherhood path and uh, <laughs> has has spent most of Ooh. his time, yeah, uh, going to other basketball games, watching his kids. Uh, one of your sons is just a tremendous athlete, uh, especially. Uh, he's, every time he's like, hey, what's going on? I, I got this game to go to. I got baseball. I got, I got basketball. I got... I don't know, lacrosse, whatever, whatever the hell he's doing is he's always in some sort of all-star team. So congratulations to you. He's already outshining his dad athletically. So that's good. That wasn't my, that wasn't a tough bar. (laughs) Chuck and I are also Emerson, Emerson grads. Chuck had a stint on the Emerson basketball team. Uh, We worked together in TV. uh, And and so Chuck, Chuck has been very immersed in the Celtics. And since his retirement has been able to kind of kick back in, in, and one of the things that you were saying, just let's just start off with this before we came on and you were starting to go off on this thing. I'm like, shut up, save it for the podcast is, you know, we've been talking about summer league because people who listen to podcasts are like, just so in so deep into a team and if I'm doing five days a week still. So if I'm feeling five days a week in July, I'm talking about summer league a lot. You haven't even watched summer league. So I, I, and I love that. I love that because it feels like, like you were saying before, why, why would I watch summer league if none of these guys are going to make an impact? I'm, this is a, this is a championship, potentially championship team here. So I, I love that, that perspective of yours where maybe you, you have watched summer league in the past and now you're like, mm, pass. Yeah, well, I mean, so there's two there's two parts to this. One is, you know, for the first time in a in a in a, in a while, um, our basketball season extended, you know, into June in a traditional sort of you know basketball calendar, yeah. not counting all that bubble stuff. So you know, and it was intense. So for me, it was just like there was a level of relief as a fan. I know that sounds kind of corny, but we're so <laughs> emotionally invested that when the when the the finals was finally over, I was like, oh okay, I need, you know, I need a break from this anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and then you kind of prepare for free agency and all that stuff. But, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's kind of refreshing to, you know, and I, and I, and I joke, it's like, because all the beat writers and I'm still, I may not, you know, uh, bark a lot on Twitter as I used to, but it's cute to see you guys are like, oh, the summer league game tonight and this and that, and who we're playing and who we're going to look forward to watching. I'm just like, you know, this is all nonsense. And I realize you have to care. You're paid to watch and write about these players, but none of it matters. Yep. Like the middle school summer league I, game I watched tonight probably matters about as much as the <laughs> summer because the roster is set, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody from summer league who makes it, maybe you could care this much about Sam Hauser. Um, but, you know, and I, I hope I got his name right. But Udoka has his ten guys, and and I, and I think it's 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 inconsequential. None, none of it matters. Yeah, I, you know look, that. You know that. I know that. that. I know that. That's the thing. And like, so my my whole thing is to be real about what's going on here. I try to tell everybody, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna BS you. I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna go hot take. I'm not. I'm just never been that guy. I'm not gonna be that guy. So I'm actually. I'll be honest. Like up front. I'm struggling with how to cover summer league because 
I'm watching this and I'm supposed to care, but like in the second quarter, I find myself kind of drifting. I'm like, oh, wait, I got to rewind that. How did that, what, what just happened here? Because you're 100% right. None of this matters. And it's hard when you know that this team is going down a certain path. And we just said, look, Brad Stevens is trading away first round picks because those picks aren't going to do a damn thing on, on the Celtics. So why am I suddenly going to say, well, this undrafted guy will do something with the Celtics? Like, okay, maybe they they strike gold, right? Maybe Matt Ryan, you know, who's who's had like a great shooting summer league in two games, maybe he does make an impact. Maybe there's maybe there's a diamond in the rough there. Maybe Sam Hauser does find his way into the rotation somehow. Maybe there's there are a lot of maybes. But uh Cabin Gelly, who you're probably like, who? <laughs> you know, Fiondu Cabin Gelly, like yeah. that's people are like excited, like, oh wow, he had 13 rebounds. Like, yeah. Also, no one boxed him out 13 times, you know, and he's he's working hard, he's playing his butt off, and he's he's really doing a lot of good things. That's great, but it's gonna be a little bit different when he goes up against the Knicks. And even like a mediocre Knicks team suddenly is like, oh yeah, kid, kid, no, 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 no. This this isn't like the the guy in summer league that you're playing against that is is hoping to hook on with some Spanish B league team. So it's summer league is is part of the you know the larvae pupae stage of the <laughs> butterfly, you know? Like, Wait, did an algae man just make an appearance? Yes, I just okay. did. Right, just did. Sure. This is the this is the part. Did the music not play? Did the chime <laughs> not ring? Uh, but this is part, like we go through it every year. Um, and this year in particular, it matters so much less because you're right. You, you've got your starting five. They just signed Brogdon. They just signed Gallinari. And you still got Derek White and Grant Williams and O'Payton Pritchard's on the team. That's 10 people. You're And, and yeah. so who else is going to make an impact? You've already signed Howes. You've already signed Luke Cornett. Brad Stevens says you're gonna they're going to go after another big man. So I hate to say it, but, like, that's it. There's so – I, I'm with you. I, I'm glad that you said you're not watching Summer League because I, I can see most fans going like, eh, yeah, I, you know, I'll check that have a round pick, even if it was in, you know, whatever it was, 27 or something like that, or 25, and they picked someone, you, you know, you might say, okay, let's just see if this what this guy might have, you know. And but without that, but without that, you're right. And why would I even, you know, spend an ounce of energy looking at undrafted guys? Because even if it was a first round pick, somebody who'd say, oh, maybe he has a little potential to be moved to the deadline um, or, or, or something, um, you you might want to check it out. But but, you know, for me, it was just like, yeah, there's there's I'm ready for training. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. enjoying the downtime, but it's like I want to see how these guys all play together. And, you know, more of a draw for me is let's, you know, I'd rather just talk about how these rotations might play out. You know, what, what, what do we think? He, how, how, how is he going to use certain guys rather than watch, you know, the best part of the, you know, the guys on the bench were most known for their celebrations. You know, all the guys who ended up. <laughs> yeah, right. 
So I'd want that the you know maybe some of these guys in summer league are colorful enough that they'll have some celebrations that'll look cool on the end of the bench. But other than that, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. I would love to see that. I'd love to see the coaching staff just put a guy on the bench and just look at look at the guy on the bench and be like, "No, I don't like that towel waving, man." Right. Uh, this guy's gonna this guy's gonna go. But that guy just did a backflip, so we want to sign him. Um, all right. So you want to talk about rotations? Let's talk about rotations. We'll do it in just a second after I talk to people about Built Bar. You know, people at Built Bar have uh, mastered the healthy and tasty, and they've got another gift for you and your taste buds. It's coconut brownie chunk in uh, a marshmallow form. It's built puffs, coconut brownie chunk, built puff. I, I struggle putting those words together, coconut brownie chunk, because it doesn't sound like something that should be healthy, but it is because it's high protein, it's low calorie, it's low carbs, it's delicious and low sugar and you can just use it as a, you have it as a snack. You can have it as a uh, something for breakfast. You can have it put it in your gym bag when you go work out. I know Chuck is uh, probably going out there and still benching three bills. So you know, throw a built puff in his uh, in his bag, and there you go. You get the collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, provides tons of health benefits. Eating something that tastes good is good, and it is good for you. The best part about the built puff is, of course, they taste amazing, but you can enjoy them guilt free because they are actually good for you. They are the perfect treat. And look, delicious coconut, rich, sweet brownie, creamy marshmallow. Go to built.com, order this taste of heaven. Get your box of coconut brownie chunk built puffs right now. This sounds like a s'more and a, a uh, one of those snack cakes and everything just kind of jammed together and somehow most of the bad stuff is pulled out and it's all just healthy for you. Use the promo code LOCKED15. If you want to get a box, go to built.com. LOCKED15 is the promo code. You're going to get 15% off, and you'll get 15% off every single time with the promo code LOCKED15 at built.com. And thanks for making Locked On Celtics your first listen every day. How about making Locked On NBA your second listen? Locked On NBA, rotating hosts, including me and Jake Madison on Wednesdays. Jake is the host of Locked On Pelicans. Get our take on the NBA on Wednesdays. Get everybody's take on the NBA all week long. You can find it wherever you found Locked on Celtics. Chuck McKenney, former partner at RedsArmy.com, now just knowledgeable fan. And <laughs> uh, all right, so you're sitting there probably just scrolling through Twitter and you start to see what we're trading for who? Mal Malcolm Brogdon. What's your what's what's going through your head when you see those Woj bombs? Yeah, so I think for me it was um I think we had all kind of focused on the TPE, who they're going to bring in. Who, I mean, who they're going to sign with the MLE, right? And then the TPE, right? They're going to have to yep. make some move there. So, and whenever a name comes up that I'm, I'm like, what did I miss? Was there a couple of days when I was off Twitter where, because to me, I don't recall seeing any sorts of rumors that Brogdon was in the mix to be moved to anybody, never mind Boston, right? I mean, I, I don't know. That, that, that's not that's a peak. Right. So that surprised me. Um, but, you know, right away, I think I think everybody, even Boston Sports Radio, is is loving this deal. I haven't heard really anyone be negative about about this trade because it's just uh, he's such an obvious fit, fills a glaring need. And we gave up nothing. Yeah. So, I mean, when you cover all of those bases in a deal, um, 
it's just, it, it, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, I think, you know, just to go back to what you said when I first heard about it, I think it was like, okay, you know, how bad is his health, right? I mean, because Indians really seem to be giving up on him. But, you know, I, I don't really have any major concerns. I mean, um, you know, guys, sometimes guys get hurt. They go through a season or two where they have, where they have ruts um, injury-wise. But for me, I think a big part of this season is going to be load management for mm-hmm. Tatum and for Brown and even for Smart. And, 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 you know, Brogdon's a guy who I think if we can get him to play 60 games, as long as it's those last 60 and the playoffs, we're good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you need to rest him as well, I'm fine with that. They have enough bodies to kind right. of, to kind of fill out that, um, fill out the, the regular season rotation. So, I mean, I'm still excited. Still excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. I think it was Brian Robb who said it first that the, the Brogdon deal was something that I would have laughed at if somebody tweeted it at me off of the trade machine, you know, and be like, okay, Hey John, uh, we'll give up Tice and Neesmith and all of these bench guys and a first round pick and we'll get Malcolm Brogdon. And I honestly could see myself saying, there's just no way you first of all, you never trade six for one. That's just impossible to do. And why would they take that? You're getting, I mean, I like Daniel Tice. I also think Aaron Neesmith has the potential to, under a low stress situation, maybe find his shot again and kind of, you know, be a classic change of scenery guy. And okay, that that's all nice, but like the the construction of this trade was was just bizarre. And and I never, if you had just if if you had told me that was a trade machine thing, I would have laughed and be like, and probably would have quote tweeted it and try to dunk on somebody and be like, this is why you can't got to take the trade machine away from people, you know, and, and is an actual deal. Um, so I, I can't believe the, the way he pulled that off. Brad Stevens pulled that off. And what it immediately did was immediately neutralized any of the TPE talk because now you don't have to use it. it this, this giving up nothing for Malcolm Brogdon, as far as players go, is the same as giving up nothing from Malcolm Brogdon as far as the TPE goes. You know, you you let all those guys go anyway. You're going to cut most of them. Neesmith became expendable. Daniel Tice is a casualty again. And you say, all right, well, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other to me. So if the TPE expires, so be it. Um, so I, I, I can see why even the most cynical outlets at sports radio will be like, eh, we've got nothing. we got nothing on this. Um, and then they add Gallinari. What's your, what's your thought process now? You're like on top of Brogdon, you think you hear, well, Gallinari's coming in. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think he fits the bill and I'm just trying to recall like there'd been a bunch of lists and I think you had put together one of, of MLE targets, right. And we started, I think, uh, Contavious Caldwell, uh, Pope yep. was one of those guys we thought who who would actually maybe he was a TPE guy, but there were just certain players. And then we started to see early in free like some of those players were, uh, and I'm drawing a blank, were, 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 were signing, right? And I was starting to wonder. But Gallinari always kind of being out there, even yeah. though he was a bit in flux because he had been moved to San Antonio. Um, so I, I kind of kept my eye on him. Um, but I but I but I think it's it's a it's a great signing for the money. And for me. Like they they need a shooter, right? They need somebody who, when he's on the floor with Tatum and Brown, if you know if you're gonna pinch, 
and you're going to want to stick your hand into Jalen's basket to cause one of those, you know, potential turnovers, yeah. you can get burned because they swing the ball, they get to Gallinari, he's going he's gonna to kill you. And, you know, another thing I, you know, so defensively he's not the greatest player. I don't care. You, you, <laughs> you can't build out – you're not going to have ten guys who are all clamped down defensive players. Championship. Not every championship roster has ten guys who are going to be excellent defensive players. You know, you need him to improve the spacing on offense. And typically, you know, what you see when guys of Gallinari's, um, you know, talent level on, you know, defensively, uh, normally he'll, he'll lift his effort a bit when he's got eight other guys or whatever really busting their ass, playing hard defense when it's being preached day in and day out. I mean, I don't know, Ray Allen came here in 2008. I don't think he was known for his defense. But he, you know, he fit right in. Um, so there are guys that 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 do that, and I think he can. He's not going to be a, any type of lockdown player. But I'm not really concerned about that. I'm, I'm I'm not concerned. I think they'll they'll find the right matchups, and how he improves the offense will, is going to offset any any um, any negative aspects to 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 his defense. Yeah, and the thing is, he has size, and that's that's going right. to be the big thing. You know, like so. Okay, so. If he's playing on a team with four good defenders, obviously the the weak link, you're only as strong as your weakest weakest link, blah, blah, blah. It's true, but he still has size. So you still have to shoot over him. So there's something there. And if if you have people who can rotate behind him, you can structure a defense where like, hey, when Gallo's on the, on the floor, this guy has to help a little bit more. But you know, say it's Jalen. You know Jalen can uh, – he's athletic enough to, to be one step closer in the lane and still get out to the shooter. And, and at least you're not going to, you're not going to steal anything, but make, make sure like, Hey, look, JB, you are here. Now you're one step closer. You're deterring the drive. If they kick to the corner, get the, just get there and contest. Don't try to steal. Don't gamble. Just get there and make it hard for the guy in the corner. And then we'll rotate behind that. And we're just trying to make things difficult. I think that stuff is, is certainly, um, doable for for the Celtics. So good. Imagine imagine having a 38, 39, 40 percent shooter on the floor with Smart, Jalen, and Jason, the three guys who turn the ball over the most in the finals, and and having them have oh well that's Malcolm Brogdon now in the corner. I'm going to kick it to Brogdon every single time. Oh, that's Gallinari. I'm going to kick it to Gallinari every single time. And it's not, no no offense, Grant Williams, but like still a young guy who's only just starting to find his shooting stroke and, and was not having a good finals. It's just different having these established guys. So yeah, it feels like mission accomplished for the Celtics. Okay, we said rotations. Let's take a second. I'm going to take a second here. We'll get back. We'll talk about the rotations because there's was some talk about one of the things that people were celebrating when it came to Malcolm Brogdon was his impact on Marcus Smart. So let's talk about rotations in just a second. Thanks for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every day. Hey, and when something comes up with another team, you can always go to one of these other Locked On podcasts uh, for in, in the NBA. So if there's something with a, a rumor, uh, a trade rumor that comes up, you can go to this other team's podcast. There's one for every team. You can also go, if you're an all-Boston fan, there's Locked On Red Sox, Locked On Bruins. Lockdown Patriots, you can go check it out. So there's a lockdown for basically everything that you need to know. There's also a lockdown Steelers for Chuck McKenney, who I know, 
is uh, is looking, you know, your football allegiances are a little bit different, but that's okay. Um, so, all right. So you, you hear all of this news now, now let's talk about what are you anticipating coming up this season? Understanding that there's big man X coming in, but there's whatever that, that third big, whoever that is, it, you're still probably starting Rob and Al. So what, what, do you, what are your expectations? What are you looking well, for? Yeah. So I think it's a little bit more clear in the backcourt, right? I mean, Brogdon was very clear saying he's accepting of a six man role. That's where the Celtics um, want him. Um, and I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, as we've learned, you know, I think it really matters in what five you're going to put, you know, on the floor for the final four minutes that, you know, Brogdon could be, could very well be a closer for this team. Um, despite coming off the bench as a starter, depending on, on what they need. So I, you know, again, I'll talk a lot about the load management. There's going to be plenty of minutes to go, to go around. So having Brogdon, and and white as your um you know your backup guards offers them a lot of flexibility um but you know i wanted to pose this to you do you see does it can gallinari play the five i mean obviously if they're going up against you know a team that has uh, they're playing the sixers and Embiid's on the floor we don't want him going up against Embiid. but can there be certain you know matchups where he can he's playing the five defensively, you know, I think, cause I think his limitations are on the wing, right. He doesn't have the most foot speed. You don't want him chasing mm-hmm. um, athletic fours. So do you think that they can, I mean, they were, they were, they were happy with, you know, Grant at times, small ball five um, at sometimes in the playoffs, but do you think Gallinari can, can kind of fit in there? How do you see the kind of front court rotations playing? Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like, Gallinari is kind of um, Al Horford without the defense, but better shooting, right? So you're still you're spreading the floor with him, and it's somebody you have to really pay attention to when the floor is when he's on the floor. I don't think they play much together, but it depends. I guess it depends on the matchups. They can certainly throw him in the, in there uh, at the five, uh, but again, it's, it's going to be so matchup dependent. Like you're. You're not going to throw him in there in the five against Embiid. That's right. that's going to be Al Horford's job right now, unless they find a bigger, stronger center out there that that can handle that job and is almost like a, you know a catcher, like the 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 caddy for a certain period. You, you this is the guy when the big, strong centers are out there. But I think it, it's just going to be matchup based, and if you you have kind of a weak center out there. On the other team, you can certainly have that guy. Um, you could you could put that guy in in a bit of a blender, or you you could go against say the Minnesota Timberwolves. You've got Carl Anthony Towns and and Rudy Gobert now. All right, well maybe you want to throw him out there in a double big lineup to just pull Gobert away, and you know that you maybe you do play Al and Gallinari together in that situation because. Carl Anthony Towns is not exactly the best defender, and you're going to put him on Al Horford, and maybe Al can can take him off the dribble and, and take advantage of that. While Gallinari is pulling Gobert out of the out of the lane, um, there are a lot of options. So, can he play there? Some sure. Uh, you can have Grant play there. Some you can have a bunch of different options, but I don't think that he's going to be out there alone a whole lot. So when you know, I, I'm assuming. 
I guess I'm trying to get it, and I think you you basically said it depends on who they're playing. But I'm assuming if Brogdon's the first guy off, and you know, you know, I don't know how Brogdon and Smart are going to play together. I think they perfect they could, but I'm trying to you know who's the first guard to come off. Is it Smart? Is it Brown? Does it depend on foul trouble? But I assume Brogdon's the first guy, and then if out of Rob or Al, usually if Amy pulls one of them off, is Grant sort of you know so. Who are the top seven? Is it Grant? Yeah. Grant and Brogdon make that top seven? So I, I think I think Brogdon and White might be the two guys. Um, and again, might be matchup dependent with Grant. Um, but so so I, I wrote a piece on Marcus Smart. And the numbers with him as the shooting guard versus him as the point guard are just so stark. It's so it's the the still a plus, but the the plus minus is like fourteen or something with with smart as the point guard and two plus two or something like that with him as the shooting guard. And that doesn't tell the whole story because there are different lineups and everything. and and that certainly made noisier with a lot of Dennis Schroeder minutes involved. But still, when smart is off the ball, it's not as good as when smart is the point guard. So, I would like to see, and I think so because I like to see it. This is this is how I hope it goes. Uh, smart as the point guard, obviously the starting point guard, with Brogdon kind of as his pseudo backup, and Derek White kind of as Jalen Brown's sort of backup. So when when Brogdon comes in, he can either come in directly for Smart and be the point guard, or if they try to do something different, then smarts the point guard with Brogdon on the floor and Brogdon plays off the ball. Yeah, There are going to be lineups, and I wouldn't be surprised if they test out the lineups with Smart, White, and Brogdon. I mean, you can see some of that in the preseason just to kind of see how those other guys are off the ball because now you've got three guys on the perimeter that can put the ball on the floor, make the right pass, really blow up the defense. You want to go super, super small, Chuck? Those three guys plus Jalen and Jason, Jason as the five. Right. Now that could be super small, but super fast. I mean, that could be an offense that just is moving, 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 moving. That could be the death lineup. That could be Boston's version of the death lineup. And you lose no defense at all. And you you do that not against maybe an Embiid, but hey, maybe you say, you know what? If we want to throw that lineup out there and dare Embiid to try to guard those guys, and you say, we'll deal with the Embiid post-ups, but we'll just swarm him and say, you got to guard now, Jason. You got to guard Jason Tatum. Good luck with that. Maybe you throw that kind of philosophy out there. But I, I think what you see with these rotations is the ability to do any number of things. You want to go super big? Let's get wild with it. Let's put Gallinari. Uh, Horford and Robert Williams out there on the floor together <laughs> no, with Tatum and Brown and have Tatum run the play. Now you go super big and you still have four plus defenders and Gallinari. So you can still, if, if size becomes an issue, you can throw three guys out there that are like actually four that are six, nine plus, And then Jalen, who's six, five, six, six, uh, the, the, the limit there, there are no limits to super big, super small. 
Um, but what I would like to see is smart as the point guard when he is on the floor. And then if you want to throw Brogdon and Derek white together and have Brogdon be the, the primary guy or play off the, however you want to do it. I, I don't want to see smart off the ball as much. And I think so many people were celebrating Brogdon coming in. They're like, Oh, finally smarts off the ball. Like, no, actually, I think you bring him in and smart plays almost exclusively point guard now because you don't have to play smart off the ball. And, and that I'll stop rambling. You you're when you start a guy as a point guard, once he gives the ball up, it's, you know, right. you're all over the, it's like the leadoff hitter in baseball. You lead off once and then you're wherever. So I, I, I acknowledge that, but I just think smart as the point guard giving it up and then in the rotations, it just works better. So there's a lot there. There's a lot to digest. I'm really looking forward to the preseason, just see all the wild experimentation that they can go through. Yeah. So I, I think Brogdon's real value can come in that, you know, in those fourth quarters, what we saw a lot of in the playoffs, especially against Miami and then Golden State was that offense kind of bogging down mm -hmm. specifically when, when it was Tatum and or Brown. Now, I never liked them just holding the ball and waiting and kind of like passing it off at the top of the key, looking for hunting for a matchup, waiting till it got down to eight or nine seconds. And then, then you finally get your matchup. But to, in my opinion, it was always like, then it felt rushed, right? It's like you're, you're, you're killing time. You're trying to find the matchup and then you're rushing and then they're not making the best decisions or they're forcing it into the paint. Now I, I, I get it. You want the ball in the hands of your best, you know, one-on-one -on -one players. That's Brown and Tatum. But I just felt like there was too much of that. And I don't know, maybe that's, that's not something Emmy is going to go away from, but at the very least, having Brogdon out there as someone in, in those five who can put it to the floor, come off screen, you know, he can do all those different things. Just him being out there is going to be, it, 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 it's got to be better, right? Yeah. If it's not better, then it's a problem with the scheme or the execution of, or, or whatever. Then there's serious problems there. I, I don't know. I mean, is that your interpretation of how, like, just watching Tatum and Brown and in, in, in those last two playoff series, like it to me, it was almost painful at times. Yeah, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> I, so, so I think one thing that we we will get an answer to this season with these additions is how much of what Boston did offensively was out of necessity, and how much of it was Ime saying, "This is just my my strategy. This is kind of how I like things to be." They really rode Tatum as the primary playmaker a lot down the stretch. So some of that was, you know, maybe it's we just want the ball in our best player's hands, and he's going to draw so much attention that we need him to open up. Like This is the necessity part. We need Jason Tatum to be the decoy as much as the scorer because he requires two and three guys' attention, and that's the only way we're going to open up enough lanes for the rest of our offense to yeah. score. Now you've got Brogdon and white with a full training camp. And I think just maybe a little bit more of a comfort level that he settled after a summer and smart in a more natural position. You get those three guys in there or some combination of two of them. Now you can now, now let's see, are you still going 
is so heavy on Tatum down the stretch? Or can you play Tatum and Brown off each other, off the ball, maybe steal some of Golden State's playbook? I know that none of those guys are going to move like Steph Curry, but why not have so have a little bit of that Stephen Clay type of action together with Tatum and Brown and force a defense to make a decision with one of those guys. And then you hit, you hit the guy who ends up being open. So with all of those guys on the floor, I'm very curious to see if, if, if uh, Ime looks at that as, all right, now we have more offensive options. So I'm going to expand my playbook or, Jason's the guy. We're going to still go with that strategy. And I'm very curious to see what that answer is because we have no history right. with Ime to kind of go on. So what about Tatum in the post? Because I feel like when he has a player, his size are smaller. You almost see it. Like he goes into that back down mode and his turnaround jump shot is just, he can go either way. Like his mm -hmm. turnaround jump shot mid-range is fantastic, I think. I don't know what the analytics are. But that that's what I was almost screaming for. I'm like, am I a dinosaur? Because that's the play. And then if they send the double team there, I, I just feel like it's a little bit – I mean, his vision has improved greatly, right? His decision-making mm -hmm. vision. So I just feel like it's a little easier to kind of – double team comes, you know, you, you almost yeah. see the open guy right away. And the ball – it's just much more of a – predictable um, ball rotation offensively. And I just thought they, they – I don't recall seeing that much. Um, like his doubles were coming as he was driving to the lane and then it became a little chaotic because the rotations you maybe weren't able to predict. So, I mean, can we see some more of that? Am I a, a dinosaur for asking Tatum to nah, be in the hey, post? <laughs> you're asking a fellow dinosaur, so I'm like all about the post play. But look, Brad Stevens actually was talking to Chris Forsberg on NBC Sports Boston uh, Tuesday night. And and he said, and he said, he was saying this of Gallinari, but he was saying it in general. He's, he said something to the effect of, I know this isn't kind of how the league is, but sometimes you just need to, to get it to the guy in the post and let him, let him work. And that is still true. Like basketball has changed a lot with the three point, the three point heavy offenses and stuff like that. And, and, I understand the efficiency numbers of a post up, but if you just like it's just like the mid range shot, if you can do it right, yeah. then you can make it efficient. It's not that the analytics have said mid range is bad, it's that they're showing you the numbers, and basically, it's people are bad at the mid range or not good enough to justify taking that shot. Post players, it's inefficient. So they get away from it, but it's because they're not good enough at it. So yeah, I would love to see more post play, but I also would love to see these guys work on that kind of stuff and understand how to feel a defender and how to set up a defender. And look, I, I come from the school of Kevin McHale. So I've, I've been dancing on the post my whole life when it comes to basketball understanding how to feel a defender, understanding how to see the floor with your back to the basket and where the double teams are coming from and, and all of that stuff can really make you an effective, effective player. And adding that element to Tatum's game would be, I think, huge. 
when you get the ball in the post, we talk about paint touches all the time, right? Yeah. Like what? Well, you're getting the ball right in the lane. That's a that's essentially a paint touch. You know, you take one power. Do you get the guy on your hip a little bit? You take one power dribble, jump hook type of thing. You're in the middle of the lane. You they're gonna collapse on you. And Tatum is a big, strong guy. He's got those shoulders that every basketball player will kill for now. Use those to kind of wedge your way into the lane. Absolutely. Use that newfound passing to start picking people apart off of that. Absolutely something that they should work in. I mean, I think we see Jalen's mid-range is so strong, even his ability to kind of do fadeaways. I'm not even opposed to having, you know, working in with him. But, you know, we it, it all depends on the talent that you have. I just think you can see it. Tatum and Brown have that part of the game. They just might need to kind of uh, polish it up a bit mm -hmm. when, when they start to see double teams. So, you know, again, I'm not a head coach. Uh, <laughs> but I just think that that's – you know, I think as you start to, you know, dissect the offense and you see the struggles that they have with always trying to get into the paint and putting their head down. It's like, man, if you just set up on the block, the, might, the offense might be a little easier. And, you know, maybe just to have those wrinkles in there, I, I don't know. But it, I'm glad you were able to kind of reinforce what I was thinking because totally. it's almost like, you know, why aren't they trying? And we'll see if they can do something I mean there. You do, you do have to work with a player's strengths, but the, you can also like enhance a player's strength. Like you can, you can turn that into a strength. You know, everybody adds to their games, add a little post work to your game. I don't, I don't know what Ime told, told Jalen and Jason about, you know, well, here's your homework for the off season, but that, that could be something again. I'm so curious because we don't have the history of Ime. We tend to take this full season, this first season and say, all right, so this is Emei's strategy. This is how he is as an offensive coach and how he is as a defensive coach, but we don't have a frame of reference. A second, a third, a fourth, a fifth season will start to give us perspective that we don't have, and you'll start to see, okay, he's either rigid in what he wants offensively and defensively, or he's very fluid and open and will work to the strengths of the players that he has. So is he a Mike D'Antoni? I have a very specific system that I am going to run. Or is he more kind of Greg Popovich? Uh, when we're a great defensive team, we're going to hang our hats on the defense. And you always want to be a good defensive team anyway. But when we have better offensive players, we can expand the whole thing. And who knows what this season's going to be? What you've done to today, Chuck, has got me very excited for the preseason. <laughs> I want now, I now want these answers like tomorrow. All right, let's get these guys out there. I want to see what this offense is. Let's go. Let's, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, you know, summer league is for is for up and coming teams. Preseason is for is for championship caliber teams with new pieces, just to play a little bit and just to kind of get a sense mm. for. And they might use the first part of the regular season for this. Not that they're in any position to be like the 2010 Celtics and half-ass it through the regular season, especially after what we saw last year. Um, and I don't know if we're running out of time, but, I'm, but I am curious what your thoughts are. You know, because we they had such great success from January on and came really, like, really this close to, to, to winning it all, which to me – even when those words come out of my mouth is still un unbelievable. But is there any, 
is there any possibility that the basketball that we saw last September through December kind of reemerges this fall? Or is that like behind them? Is it like they worked through that stuff? They one Tatum and Brown are two are, are they too good now? And does this does this group know how to play together? Yeah, I, I would lean towards it's behind them. You know, I I can see them starting a little a little slower um then you know when when we get the full picture of the season november december might not be as good as the later months because it's it's still a short turnaround and i still think that you're going to rest al horford a lot more you're going to rest guys a lot more like your point earlier about load management i think is is a very good one and one that everybody needs to latch on to because there's going to be a lot of load management as we begin the season that's just they're they're not going to go too crazy and and why the brogdon and gallinari sorry store uh, signings are so important because those guys can come in and they haven't had the same short turnaround so they can come in and and do what they do a little bit more so the the splits the minute splits can be a little bit different early on i think last season when you look at last season what caused that slow start you know Schroeder was a big problem, I think, for that team. It just threw a lot off, and and that was that was corrected. Brogdon is not going to be that kind of guy. He's not that kind of player. Health wise, you know, you have to hope that the health is a little bit better. I don't know what the league's COVID plan is going to be, but last season started with, you know, in the preseason, Jalen and Al Horford got COVID, so that slowed them down. That you know. Um, if, if they stay healthier to start the season, you can get that full training camp and you can implement a lot of whatever new is going on. Um, that I think will be helpful in the year of Ime under their belts already. So now they know what he's trying to do. Now they understand the system that they've bought into and they've seen it work. You get into that right away versus having a January buzzer beater against the Knicks be the thing that makes them go, okay, fine, fine. You win, Ime, will do it your way. Um, so I think a lot, all of those factors will get them going a little bit sooner. And and Brad Stevens and Ime Adoka both said it. We don't want to go through that again. So I think they've, they've explicitly made it clear. We are not starting slow. We're not doing 18 and 21 again. So I think that's all that should all be behind them because this is all geared towards having that be behind them. Yeah, and you're right. You know, Ime now has – he kind of has that sort of uh, look what we did last year. You, you know what I mean? Like if you have any doubts in what he's saying to them or when he's calling you out, you know, which they may have had in those first three months, like, you know, who really is this guy? Like, yeah. you know, is he, you know, is this really the right? It's like, yeah, look at where we were and look at how close we came. So you're right. They, they you know, I think that they that that's a huge, um, that's a huge difference in, in, in these two teams. And, and you know, I think there's still that health variable, right? Al's a year older. He's going to mm -hmm. slow down a bit, load management or not. And then, you know, Rob Williams, it's still like there's still a different team when he's at optimum health um, at that five spot. I mean, they are just a lethal team defensively when he's at his peak. And I'm just, you know, I just want to see the guy play 70 games. You know, I won't say 82 because that's probably no chance. But if we can get something like that from him, um, man, 
That mm-hmm. just... that'd be <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, that's some, yeah. Just suck that in. Um, I mean, you'd like to think that one of these years, the health will the health luck would be a little bit better, but. I don't know. We'll see. I, I, I think some, some good lessons were learned and hopefully Rob understands like, you know, look, Rob played more than he ever did a minutes wise and as games wise. So while we can sit there and be like, Oh, he got hurt again. Also he played a ton more than he usually has. So hopefully that, that injury just gets him like, all right, I've got to be even better next year with my body. I got to be even better in the off season about taking care of myself and all of that stuff. So hopefully that lesson um, was learned. A lot of lessons learned that I hope apply. Um, the lesson that the, the show, the network would like to teach me is John, you're supposed to do 30 minute shows. And here we are at minute 48, but you know, when we have a special occasion, like Chuck McKenney back in the reds army, the old two man game is what we called ourselves. Um, Got to got to go a little extra. We'll call it a double podcast. So, all right, Chuck, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll we'll talk again. We'll do this a little bit more often. So, thanks to Chuck McKenney. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to you for watching. If you are a subs- if you're not a subscriber and you're still here at this point, that means I hope that you are going to stick around and subscribe. So make sure you do that and watch the show on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. If you do subscribe on YouTube, hit that bell to make sure you get the podcast, uh, get notified when a new podcast drops. Like it, give it the thumbs up, comment, all of that stuff. And of course, share the podcast. Tell your friends, tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.